Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to today's episode of Be the Wolf. And the question of the day is, are you? Yes. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm here today with Christina Ruska. She is a soul purpose coach and she is up to some big things in the world and creating some stuff that's just about ready to open. So we are going to dig into this question of, are you wasting your life? We're going to talk about being the wolf and following all the things And so soul purpose coach, a lot of you out there going like, what is a soul purpose coach? I'm a career transition coach, but that kind of makes sense to people. But what is a soul purpose coach, Christina? So a soul purpose coach to me is teaching people to, or guiding people to uncover superpowers they already have so we're born with talents and because we live in the society that we live in those talents are sometimes quickly categorized as good or bad or useless or whatever they they are that society tells us but we have them for a purpose our purpose is already decided in in my view already decided when we get here right so we are i guess trained to be what everybody wants us to be, to, to be acceptable societally and to get a good job, maybe work really hard, things that we're taught that mean success. And when we are focused on all of this external validation, we are allowing what is internal and so very important to atrophy almost. We, we choose to push those things to the side. We call them hobbies or interests or whatever, but we're not really digging into them and connecting with them in a way that is going to allow us to show up in the world the way we are meant to show up in the world. Okay. So does this play into sort of people talk about what is your purpose? What's your purpose in life? Mm -hmm. Does this really play into figuring out what your purpose is? Yes, it does. Because and and so I'm a dual certified Dharma and spiritual life coach. And so the Dharma aspect, you know, Dharma has 16 different definitions or whatever, but really it is your purpose. It boils down to your purpose. And so it's about really going inward and figuring out 
what are my unique gifts and talents? What are my superpowers that I may or may not be utilizing? Once I connect with those and find those, now I know now I know how I'm supposed to show up and how I'm meant to interact and create and co-create with the universe, this life that I'm here to live. Awesome. In some ways, you and I do similar things. Mm -hmm. I help people love and you help people figure out a big piece of like really what feeds their soul and spirit. I definitely dive into finding purpose with people. And I know mm -hmm. my own journey of figuring out what my purpose was, mm -hmm. <laughs> was, yeah. a, was a little topsy-turvy. I remember coming back from a shamanic healing somewhere in there. And I was like, to uncover that which is unseen, which <laughs> ironically, well, the funny thing is I do so much work with the unconscious mind that, yes. well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I've narrowed down and categorized my purpose as to, to embody and assist expansion. I love world. that. Mm -hmm. And so I'd have the, the way I do that in my business, I have the way I do that in my everyday life. So I'm guessing is you know what your purpose is now. Yes, I my purpose and it actually um I was in a I was at a yoga retreat in Tulum in Mexico in the fall of of last year and I had, you know, all of the shamanic stuff. There's a lot of just Mayan healing rituals and things like that and, and it just came to me on the beach like I just got, I just felt this inner knowing that you're here to work with women. You're here to support women and helping them find their purpose. That's your purpose. That's why you're here. Mm. And I was in the mortgage industry at the time and I start of, of immediately thinking about it. I'm an overthinker. And I was like, okay, how am I going to make wait, this work? Wait, wait, let's, let's, let's not go there quite. Okay. <laughs> I want to <laughs> no, because yeah. this is such a juicy piece. Okay. And, you know, where we end up, I know a lot of people are struggling to figure out what it is they're supposed to do in life, what mm -hmm. it is that will fulfill them, what it is what, that will make them happy. And, you know, you said earlier, you were talking about going through those ideas, those societal expectations of mm -hmm. what you're supposed to be doing. And I know everyone's like, oh, the shoulds, yes. <laughs> the shoulds, yes. I should go to college, I should get a good job, make right. a bunch of money. Yeah, that's the, what, I feel whatever. like that's what we're taught from birth, especially like in, in the United States. It's shifted some because of things like the pandemic and, you know, generational changes and things like that. But it's, it's still this path that's laid out for you. Like, you really need to do really well in school. You need to get really good grades so that you can get into a really good college. Then once you get into that college, you need to study really hard so you can get good grades so you can graduate with a degree. And immediately after having that, getting that degree, you need to go find a really lucrative job somewhere. And now people job hop a little bit. But in the past, it was like, and once you've landed that job, like, that's it. You're good, right. bucko. Like, for the rest of your life, you're just going to do this job, get your gold watch after 40 years or whatever, and then, you know retire and then and but now we're working longer hours and we're working longer years like people are working well into their 70s now and so it's like at what point do you get to actually explore and enjoy your life and 
do other things that you are here in earth school to experience, you know? Right. Well, and a big piece of it too, you know, the retirement age was 65, but people didn't live much longer than mm -hmm. that. And so people are working a lot longer because they don't have the retirement to the retirement funds to fund. Mm -hmm. And so keep working, keep working. And a big piece of living your purpose and a big piece of, I think, where people are leaning is about how do I enjoy my life now? How do I feel good every day? And those boundaries that people lived in following that, get a good education, get a good job and follow that path that was laid out for you. That was born, that kind of path was born, I think out of the great depression and mm -hmm. out of this fear and the scarcity mindset of we need to have security. Mm -hmm. I need to have security because that is what's gonna make everything okay. Mm -hmm. And once you're secure and stable, then you could potentially live. But the problem is, is the secure and stable in that, in that like pattern, doesn't really ever happen because it's the secure and stable is when you have enough saved for retirement, that you will finally feel safe and secure. Mm -hmm. But when do you, when it, what is enough? Right. What is enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do feel like too, during the industrial revolution, I feel like our entire education system is a, is a crock. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I think that it was born of the Rockefellers and the Carnegie's and all of these people that needed factory workers. And so then it was like, okay, the moms are at home how we can create some where we take care of these kids during the day and educate them. And it's like a win-win for everybody. Right. But really it was conditioning these kids to be factory workers. You know, you have a bell in the morning and that's when you come in and learn. And then you have a bell at lunch and that's when you eat. And then you have a bell in the afternoon and you go out for five minutes to breathe air. And then you come back in and you work more. And it's just conditioning everyone to go into this factory setting. We as a society have, you know, and the gap has gotten wider and wider, but like we are being farmed for our output and that's depressing. And so, it, <laughs> and so you can just decide on your own. No, like my output is for me and it's for me to share with people that I choose to share it with. And that's, I think that, you know, I'm in another, and not, this isn't, I'm not the first person to say this by any means, but like, I really feel like the pandemic was a huge turning point with regard to people's view on this, because I think that once, once they were a stop for long to recognize, because you, they didn't stop. You never stop in this country. Like you just go, go, go. And so when people were sitting at home and, oh my gosh, what am I going to time now or commute, or I don't have all these meetings every day or whatever it is, you know, and then they started, that's I feel like what started to awaken people to all these latent talents that they have where they're like, oh, yeah, I do that on the weekend or I do that on the side. It started to enable them because they had more time and, and they were focused more on doing things that they wanted because they had the time to do it. That they were like, wait, why don't I just do this more often? Like, why do I only do this every third weekend, you know, when I have time to squeeze it in? Like, why am I not doing this? a lot more. And then once they started doing those things a lot more, utilizing their talents a lot more, then because 
were Americans. It's then they figured out, oh, maybe I could monetize this. Like maybe I could have it all. Like maybe I could do what I really am passionate about doing and also make a living out of doing that. So I think one of the things that really happened during that pandemic time, yes, I think a lot of people started leaning into doing some stuff that they like, but I think personally, what really happened for a lot of people that all of a sudden, all your coping mechanisms are gone. You can't go to that show. You can't go out to dinner. You can't go to the bar. You can't go hang out with your friends. So all of these things that we used to mitigate the pain in our life were gone. So now you literally have to sit in it. So now that you have to sit in it, in the beginning, I remember it was like all those things that you said you would do if you had the time. Well, now you have the time. And most people were not doing those things. They were just sitting and freaking out Mm -hmm. about the fact that all the stuff that they used to cope with their daily life wasn't there. And so over time, when you have to sit in the stress, you've created those coping mechanisms, but not and be like, whoa, Mm-hmm. What do I really want to do if I'm using all these things as distractions, not to just get through, that's not the way I want to live. So I think it's this big opening. And mm-hmm. so when you, you were in the mortgage business, I was in the mortgage business. So I stayed yeah. busy. Yeah. I stayed busy for, through the pandemic. I was working. It was a huge boom in the industry. I was working until 8, 9, 10 at night. I actually set up a little makeshift desk in my bedroom, as unhealthy as that sounds now, because I was like, oh, this is going to this is gonna help me be even more productive. I just literally roll out of the bed, grab a cup of coffee, and I'm just working. So, yeah, I didn't experience the the lull that happened during the pandemic, but I know so many people who did working just ridiculous hours, seven days a week. I mean, we all were. Everybody who was in the mortgage industry at that time in in 2020 and 2021, grinding daily, just grinding. And so I think so many people know that grind. Now, Mm -hmm. some people during the pandemic, like yourself and many people before the pandemic, now that you're away from that particular grind, what do you say fueled the grind? What was the things for you, the stories you told yourself about why you had to work so hard and push so hard? What were those stories that you told yourself? Um, so I, I have always driven. I, I want, I, I like, I don't know if, and we don't need to get into this whole thing, but a human designer. So I am conditioned by a, a bunch of generators, 70% of the population. I was raised by a generator and a manifesting generator. And what was always drilled into me and shown me by example um, as a young child was you work. You're here to work. I had a stellar work ethic, as did Mike, do do better than the best you can do. Like always bring your A game. And so I just got into this pattern of striving and achieving and like wanting to be the best. If I was going to, if I was going to be in mortgage, I was going to be 
like I wanted to be a household name in mortgage in my market. I wanted to be the go-to person that people were like, oh, you need a mortgage? And so I just, it was all consuming. And it, and in the way that the industry is, that is like the leader. I, I, I was a perfect fit for what I was doing because I was coachable. I took notes. I wanted to, or I read, I, everything that I could think of to do to be the best originator did. And so, let, yeah. Let, let me ask you this. If meant, if you didn't, you weren't the best. I would be a failure. And I felt like a failure a lot of the time, even though I had all this outward success, I constantly was, it was, I, I was a, a huge comparison person. So I would always look at other people's numbers and what they were doing on social media, the meetings that they were having, the events that they, I should do that. I should do that. I should be doing more. I should be taking more applications. And this thing within our company that was like, just one more, you can do one more. You can right. do one more application, one more pre-qualification, all of that constantly striving and what I did and, and getting more, more, more that I was failing. So it was, it was a very black and white situation. Let me, can I dig a little deeper just for the sake yeah, absolutely. so many people really know what this is like, right? More, more, more. I have to do better. This is great. I have to be at least that good. And you know, this cycle, it's like a hamster wheel that just runs freaking mm -hmm. crazy. So what if, go back to your mindset back then, what if you didn't? What if you didn't? What would that mean beyond failure? failure? What if you failed? What did that mean about you? Mm -hmm. What did that mean? I internalized things. And so it, it wouldn't be that I had failed or or that this career had failed or wasn't a good fit. It would have meant I was a failure. Like that's how, that's how my mindset wasn't about any sort of internal anything with regard to how I felt. It was all about like, I am what I do. That's, that was the biggest thing in my role. It's like, I am what I do. And I spent an entire career trying to like I, building, building that life, building a lifestyle around that. I am what I do. I mean, I had a license plate that said I lend on my Mercedes. Mm. I, what I recognized after I started that, like I built a cage for myself and boxed myself in and made made so difficult. And I think a lot of us do this. Like I made it so hard to walk away because I created this life that I guessed I wanted. I mean, I was, I'm making six figures. I have a really nice car. I have a, a nice lifestyle. I wear nice clothes. I have jewelry. Like I had all these things, like I had this stuff, right. you know? And that was, that was to show people, you know, like I'm not a failure because look at me, I'm, mm. I'm succeeding, but it wasn't bringing me joy. It was bringing me frustration and stress and anxiety. My coping mechanisms were, and there were several over the years, but the biggest one right prior to leaving the business was like uh, more things. Like I had become this like shopaholic monster that was like, you know, like I work really hard. I make all this money so I should get to enjoy it. And so I would just buy stuff, stupid stuff. Mm. I mean, when I decided to leave my career and decided to sit down and 
um, I mean, out of necessity, sat down with my financial situation, subscriptions that were like $99 a month, $109 a month, just billing. And I didn't even use them. I didn't even know what they were for. I didn't even remember signing up for them. Right. And I, and it, and it also, um, for the worse, changed my concept of money because for so long that it was like a thousand dollars really meant nothing to me. It was a thousand dollars. It was like mm -hmm. now I'm trying to get back to, you know, like I actually um was paid to do a speaking engagement and it was I was paid the tiniest, smallest fraction of what I am used to making. And that's my favorite paycheck of my entire life. Like I right. actually cried just considering it like this i cr i delivered this and and made this this is my baby and i made it and i and i put it out into the world i was compensated for that and like that's that felt so amazing as opposed to let me just keep churning out you know mortgages and being paid a lot of money to do it yeah and so what i want to and I don't know if this is your story particularly, but hearing is something that's so common for so many people. And of course, this may or may not be you, but this place where I don't want to be a failure. I have to do all of these things. I have to have all of these things. I have to make this money. I lend. This is who I am in this rabbit like hamster wheel of doing and spending and spending. I don't really have a whole lot of abundance because I keep spending it and it's proving that I can, I can spend this money because it's proving that I'm not a failure. And it all sounds a little like your purpose at the time was to not be a failure. And when mm -hmm. you did that speaking gig, and this, I think, is so important for those of you looking for career fulfillment out there, is what I sort of hear in that is that you got paid to do something you love from the heart that's expansive and purposeful and not about proving your worth. Exactly. 100%. Yes. So when I think a lot of people have gotten into their careers and they're doing all the things that they're supposed to prove their worth. And when you don't think you're worthy or when you think that you're not enough deep down, most people will do a million things to prove their worth, whether they have a physical, tangible items, whether they work so hard that they burn themselves out and get sick. I think you know about that mm -hmm. one. When, But when you get to this place where you know your value and you know your worth, then everything starts to change. You get to trust and know that you can do something you love that feeds you joy and get compensated. Absolutely. And it's, it seems so simple. It is so simple, but it's not, it's not what we're taught. So we don't, we are, it's like our minds don't even go there because it's not paradigm that we're taught from a tiny young age that these are the steps. You do the steps. Right.
you know. Well, and you do the steps is really about teaching people that this is how you get that thing that you're supposed to have instead of teaching people to look within themselves and figure out what's true and right for them. Because your mm -hmm. self-worth diminishes when you're doing, when you're bending into stuff that's not right for you. Your self-esteem mm -hmm. is ultimately your opinion of yourself and you know your mind, your conscious mind knows everything you've ever done. And so when you go to work trying to prove your worth, trying to prove that you're not a failure, you're doing that because deep down inside you think that you are a failure. But when you right. come to that place of knowing and you yeah. bring value to the table and you have worth and you get to start stepping into those things that mean something to you that have meaning, then you start to build your self-esteem. You start to build your opinion of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, I cried constantly at work, like all the time. And I, that doesn't happen now, <laughs> fortunately. But it's like you said, I was trying to put myself, bend myself into what I, what a mortgage originator is, like what I was supposed to be and judging really things that I viewed as, as failures on my part. And it was a miserable, it was a miserable existence. But I think in, in some ways you get, you, you get, it sucks you in. You almost get addicted to like, okay, well, but I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to be really good at this. And that becomes your sole focus. You're not even thinking about your self-worth or any of that. It's damaging you. It's hurting you. I can honestly say like my job hurt. It hurt me deeply on a daily basis. And I, but I mean, I was, I was committed. This was what I was. I was a mortgage lender. Like I didn't even know who else I would be without that. Right. And there, and then, and you know, then there are a hundred labels on top of that one. You know, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm, I'm a friend, I'm a sister, all of those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That the identities, the labels that we put on ourselves, I'm a good girl, right? It's mm -hmm. like, what do you mean? I used to yep. tell people all the time, oh, I'm sweet and innocent. And people would look at me like I was crazy because back in those days, yeah. I was, well, some people would say wild, um, but, <laughs> but my identity of who I was, was a good girl. I didn't do anything bad. What are you talking about? I would never, but you know, in, yeah. in ways I was gaslighting myself, right? Maybe I'm a mortgage Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd like, this is who I am. This is everything of who yeah. I am. And thinking it's the best, then somehow I'll be happy. <laughs> right. And like, I, yeah, it's, that's the thing. Like, I used to tell people I'm a workhorse. Mm -hmm. Like, I, almost inviting them, like, use me, expect me to be accessible to you 100% expect that you can step over any boundaries that I create, which I didn't really create any, but ex expect that for me. Like I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you permission to treat me like I'm some sort of commodity. Mm -hmm. I would sort of like, like for looking for, and I'm going to be that. Mm. For so you were sitting there and that your purpose was to help women find their purpose. Yes. And and initially, I was going to say, whenever we were at that part, that's illegal in mortgage. Like, you can't be like, well, I'm going to still stay in mortgage, but I'm only going to work with women. Like, you know, you can't discriminate 
um, in mortgage. And so that was sort of the first little, because I was so like mortgage focused on all things, that was the first thing after getting the download that I, that, that I questioned, not like, oh my gosh, like, are you ready to like blow up your entire life and, and just like rise like a Phoenix from the ashes? No, it was like, well, how can I make that be a compliant once it, once I had that idea, it was just like all consuming. And then um, I say it was like this divine thing. I mean, it, it was, but it also was helped by the fact that Facebook spies on everything that we do. But I was sitting in the airport um, in the Centurion Lounge on our way back from Tulum and just scrolling and this ad for Dharma Coaching Institute popped up. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's what I could. That's how, you know, I can do make this transition. And so I signed up for it like on the spot. And and I think, yes, I'm sure my phone was spying on me while I was having all these amazing conversations with all these Mayan <laughs> healers in Tulum. It's that was a huge that was a huge. It was a life raft. It's like the universe threw me a life raft and was like, you're overthinking it because you have a tendency to do that. So like, just do this, you know, because I was still very much in that um, space of like needing to have steps and needing to have things ordered. Well, and that's way. the thing is sometimes it just takes one step and it doesn't even matter if the thing that showed up on the Facebook ad or the this or the that doesn't even matter if it's the right step. The fact that you take a right. step towards that thing mm -hmm. that you want, that purpose. One really important about having a purpose, y'all, is the brain to be happy needs a problem to solve. And if the problem is solvable, you will run out of motivation. If your purpose is based on your family only, and then once your kids, if your purpose is to raise kids and have them be great, then you're so desperate for grandkids because you need to like continue that cycle. You get depressed when the birds leave the nest. But when you have a purpose that's bigger than you, bigger than your family and impossible to complete, then there's always motivation mm -hmm. to keep going. And it's also keys about it too. It's something that can be done anywhere. I can create expansion mm -hmm. and embody expansion anywhere and everywhere. All I have to do is just be joyful and I do it. So you have to be able to do it anywhere and you have to be able to have it be unsolvable. You know, I think, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't, I'm like, I was about to name some famous people's purpose and all <laughs> of a sudden they just got a super crisscrossed on my So. Like, oh, Richard Branson's <laughs> is to learn and have fun, I think. Something to that effect. And those incorporate his values. Yeah. But there's always more fun to be had and there's always more to learn. No matter what, that purpose will never be finished. So it's something to keep you motivated and moving forward always in life. Okay, so you, mm -hmm. you signed up. I started to, so that was in November of last year. So I just, I go inward. I knew that I wasn't living my purpose. I knew that this wasn't my purpose. And I also start, I had that inkling of what you talked about. I'm intrinsically worthy by the fact yeah. that I'm here. Like I don't have to prove myself 
And, you know, I still was working, obviously, like I still because I had this I had a five year plan. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to transition slowly and quietly out of this industry into what I really want to do. And the more like the they're just like dichotomy that I could not bridge the gap for. Like I started to really resent doing anything that wasn't about creating this space where I could help other women wake up, like help other women recognize like, girl, queen, like you are amazing and you have all these gifting your life on this hamster wheel, wake up. And so I just, I realized probably three, four months after I got back from, from Tulum that like, I, this is not sustainable. Like I cannot continue to give my effort to this role. And I was still, and we haven't talked about this part yet, but I was still suffering some side effects from a a breast cancer diagnosis that I'd gotten a few years earlier. I was burning out and I could feel it. It's like, as soon as that as soon as that internal fire to prove myself burned out, I, I, there was nothing left to keep me going where that job was concerned, you know? And so, um, yeah, like I just, I started to f- figure out, I was really super honest with myself and I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm hurting myself. I'm, I'm making myself sick. I'm staying sick because I keep doing this. And so... I've just got to figure out a way out. And so, and the brain is a really beautiful thing. You don't always have to know how you're going to do it. Sometimes if you just know that you're going to do it, the pathways will show up. You've got to be willing to take the leap. And, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you take the leap, you quit the job, and then you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And you scramble and you take some crappy job again and you start the hamster wheel all over again. But if you're paying, you know that you've got to do something different than you were doing before. Whatever it is, you've got to do something different, right? That definition of insanity. You can't keep doing the same thing or you're Mm going to create the same problems. So sometimes that will show up as, you know, an ad for a coaching program or a particular coach or a certain healer, maybe you'll be having a conversation with somebody and they'll say something that will just pop your mind open into something new, but stepping into doing something different. So you, I love that you also recognize that the hamster wheel was making you sick and keeping you sick. And the body Mm -hmm. tell is when you cancer, your body's trying to tell you something. It's not just, we have cancer cells that we beat in our body constantly every day. Our body is continuously fighting off. We are stressing ourselves out so much that the environment becomes ripe for those cells to grow into something that can patil us if we are not paying attention. So taking care of your health is incredibly Mm -hmm. important. So you decided to just leap. You leaped. (laughs) We're getting towards the end. So you leaped and then you're like, oh God, what am I going to do? I started working on a project called The Love Shack. 
Tell me about that. I did. Bought a house in May of last year and we moved and it's literally a quarter of a mile. Like it's, it's around the corner down the street from the house that we've lived in since 2000. And that house was supposed to be a two year kind of thing. And we just never left. And, um, so we moved around the corner and down the street and this house just sat. And, um, at one point I asked my husband, um, cause he bought this house before we were married. So it's his. And I just was like, what are, Hey, what are you going to do with that house? And, um, he's like, I don't know. I guess I could sell it. I don't really want to though. And I don't want to put renters in there because I don't want anything to happen to it. And I was like, I, I want to I want to turn it into a center for women's empowerment. And I fully expected him to be like, you have lost your mind. Absolutely not. But he said, oh, yeah, no, that's cool. You can do that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is amazing. And so we've slowly been renovating um, this house to turn it into that. Like there's a podcasting studio in I am now and there's a little yoga studio. Um, there's a space for like meeting it's got all these big beautiful um you know like the the huge square meditation cushions um it opens into the kitchen so there could be like ayurvedic cooking demonstration things like that and then there's another room with but it can really be used for like body work and reiki and massage and all of that stuff so um yeah it's like a dream come true and it's almost ready we're almost ready to like unveil it but um, just the fact that he was so on board, uncharacteristically so, I was like, thanks, universe. Well, here's the thing. Do you have a pattern of in the past of not asking for what you want? I think a lot of people, a lot of women especially, don't, mm-hmm. haven't, don't ask for what they want. So yeah. I would say the moral of the story right here in this is ask for what you want. Absolutely. And, you know, he, too, had a similar, uh, not, I I wouldn't call his like an awakening or anything, but he decided that he was really going to um, do what he wanted to do, which was he rehabs and and sells like houses that are in need of repair. He's always been passionate about that since I met him 26 years ago. He's never did it because it's like not, you know, it's not part of the plan or whatever. And so he just, you know, about five, six years ago, he was like, you know, and I, unfortunately, to my utter dismay and regret now, I was like, that's a terrible idea. Like, that's not what you do. Like, how? that's not stable. It's not, you know, we don't, you don't know, you don't know enough about it. Like, you should just stay doing what you're doing. Like, you, you make a good living. Right. Like, you should just do what you're doing. And so he was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to leap. And so he leapt and he is realizing the success of that. So I think that when I said to him, I want to open a center for women's empowerment, I think because of his journey and because he saw how lit up I was doing the work that I've been doing with, you know, working with women, he immediately was like, yeah, that's a yes. And so it's just so beautiful how it's it's shaped our relationship too. And I think healed a lot of our relationship by, by being supportive of each other's, you know, passions and purposes. And one thing before you, you tell us all about how to get in touch with you and all the things you have to offer. One thing I see in that little piece of your story is he modeled for you 
that it doesn't matter what even the closest person to me thinks, that I can still step forward and do what's right for me. That is such a be the wolf quality. And one of the big reasons we're in that hamster wheel is because we're modeling what has happened before us. And culturally and generations before, because there was so much fear about ability, that people have not modeled how to live a life that's true and right for you. And that's a big piece mm -hmm. of why I do this podcast is because I want people to know that it can be done. Even if you didn't see it growing up or you didn't grow up around it or all your friends think you're crazy, lots of people that are doing it and it's important to show up in the world in that way so we can light the path for everybody else. All right, Chris. Amen, <laughs> All right, Christina, tell us how people can work with you, where they can find you, the deets about the Love Shack. If you're watching this video, it's not quite open yet, but by the time you hear this podcast, it will be open. So tell us all the goods. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my website is christinaruska.com. That is actually still under construction too. Um, and every, I feel like everything at this point is, but this is so, this is, I am approaching this so differently than I ever have in anything in my life. And so instead of holding everything in until it's absolutely perfect, I'm just kind of like flinging it out there and I'm just going to like, grow as I go. So christinaruska.com. And um, I'm also on Facebook, um, Christina Ruska SPC, which stands for Soul Purpose Coach. And you can also find me on Instagram at I am Christina Ruska. Awesome. Oh, and you can email me too, Christina at christinaruska.com. And for those of you that are like, how do you spell Ruska? <laughs> it's R-U-S-C-A-K, but a C. Yeah. Yes. And for those of you that are ready, they're ready to get off that hamster wheel and step into something you love and find true career fulfillment, let's have a call. I have a system that helps people to find the perfect for you careers and get through all those fears so that you never have to run the hamster wheel again. And you can book a call with me at elevatebookacall.com. And if you are interested in that, take out your phone right now and type this stuff in your browser, christinaruska.com or elevatebookacall.com. If you're driving, don't do this. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Okay, Christina, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your story. I can't wait to find out about all the great things you're doing at the Love Shack. Thank you for thank coming you. on the show. Thank you so much. I really am excited to be here and I love our talk. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everybody. We will see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf. <laughs>